Hi friends, it's Lynn Cox, Interim Leader at the Washington Ethical Society, they, them. So today was an exciting day in platform. We're continuing to experiment with hybrid platform, having uh, being able to have some people in the hall and some people at home. And so towards that day, we tried some new things today, and the upshot was that we didn't get a recording. So I'm gonna try again to do a recording for you so that all of our Facebook and YouTube viewers can um, still get a sense of what went on today. So this is just the talk. None of us alone can save the world. Together, that is another possibility waiting. The poetry of Rebecca Parker drew me into the imagination and theory and practice of clergy leadership. And the poetry of Rebecca Parker helps me to stay connected even when I feel alone, even when I feel like I've hit a wall and I have nothing more to offer the world. Conspiring with liberation, creating beauty, spreading compassion. These are humanist in the best sense of the word to me. Technologies for people together to create human solutions to human problems. They work best when we use them together, when we practice in a rhythm of recharging, recommitting, and reweaving. Sometimes we act, sometimes we reflect, and even when our work is solitary for a time, you're part of the chorus of life. Creating a world where each person can reach their full potential, a world of justice and compassion where each person can bring out their best, has long been part of the dream of humanists and ethical culturists and Unitarian Universalists among the traditions we embrace at West. This calling is perpetually urgent to the point where it can be overwhelming. It can feel isolating as each one of us digs into the aspect of moving toward truth and beauty that feels like ours to dig into. Yet our strength is our interdependence with each other and with all life. When we remember to give and take, to listen and act and pass along what we've learned, to be fully present in this moment while holding on to the vision of what can be, to entrust the work to others as we take breaks and then return with new focus. When we remember these things, we are more effective. And all of these are aspects of being part of something larger than ourselves, creating the new world in collaboration and solidarity and concrete shared reality. There was a time when I half joked and was half serious that I thought death couldn't catch me if I filled my calendar with appointments. Being busy was a shield against reckoning with my own mortality. Deeper down, it may have been an attempt to leave some kind of mark on the world as soon as possible because I knew too many people who hadn't lived to the fullness of adulthood. I still do love my calendar, don't get me wrong, but I'm less convinced that it governs my lifespan. Being fully human asks us to live this life this life which many in our community believe is the only one we have, this life to take rest and marvel in the beauty that is here and now, and not to save these things for a time to come that is not promised. In See No Stranger, a memoir and manifesto of revolutionary love, Valerie Kaur writes that breathing is part of the practice of revolutionary love. We need to care for ourselves 
We need to ground our practice in the present and in our bodies. We need to gather our strength in preparation for collective effort. She writes, breathing is life-giving. In every breath, we take oxygen into our bodies to nourish and sustain us. We inhale the molecules we need. We exhale what we do not need. Breath is constant. Its rhythm moves within us whether or not we are aware of it. Buddhist, Hindu, and many other wisdom traditions have taught conscious breath work for centuries. When we pay attention to our breath, our minds are called to the present moment. Not the past, not the future, here and now. Inhale, exhale. Breathing creates space and time to be present. Present to emotion, present to sensation, present to surroundings, present to one another, present to ourselves. Core is writing for a diverse audience, people of every faith and no faith. In this humanist community, I would like to emphasize that the present moment is the one where we have agency. We can learn from the past and make plans for the future, but the present moment is where we act. To lose our grounding in the present moment is to risk being lost in speculation and anxiety. And in that space, we can very easily fool ourselves as to the degree to which our thinking is rational. To be our best as individuals and as a community calls for mindfulness. When we pause and take inventory of our feelings, our sensations, our thoughts, our surroundings, we are better equipped to make decisions on what is, instead of what was, or what we fear, or what we wish. Taking a mindful breath is a humanist practice. I know we've already done some meditation today, so let's just take a brief moment now. Attend to your body as you take one nourishing breath. And not all of us can take a deep breath or a comfortable breath. So take the breath that's right for your body. The breath that your body is able to receive. Slow down your breathing by pausing for a moment before you exhale, savoring that breath within you. And then release your breath, returning air and water vapor to this world that we share, the world in which we are all connected. Take a nourishing breath, savor it, and release it. Honoring our need to breathe is an exercise in remembering the inherent worth and dignity of every person. Each person deserves oxygen. We have an ethic of care for ourselves and each other an ethic that supports each other's need to breathe. You have a right to breathe. This is not a politically neutral statement. Some of our siblings have been told that they do not have a right to breathe, and this is demonstrated through police violence, environmental racism, and disregard for the respiratory health of others. Take a breath. Make space for others to take a breath and claim a moment for human dignity. 
Audre Lorde said, caring for myself is not an act of self-indulgence, it is self-preservation, and that is an act of political warfare. Lorde was speaking specifically of her experience as a black woman, and I think it's important to center black women when we're inspired by that quote. And it's true for any person with a marginalized identity that when we live our lives in self-destructive ways, we serve the purposes of oppression more than liberation. We breathe and pause because our lives have worth. That's why transgender communities will gather to lament on Saturday evening for Transgender Day of Remembrance. This is why tomorrow's action with the Poor People's Campaign in support of Build Back Better will begin with ethical and emotional grounding. This is why the Voting Rights Rally on Wednesday, November 17th, includes faith groups as well as racial justice groups and pro-democracy groups. We need to stay grounded in this life and in our values and in the practice of human worth. So let's keep breathing. Core uses breathe as one part of a formula that also includes push, using the process of giving birth as a metaphor. And here we need to pause again because different people will have different relationships to that metaphor. Core notes that not all birthing people give birth vaginally through a process of contractions, breathing, and pushing. And not all people with uteruses and not all women give birth to children. She writes that the ability to create and nurture is a human right, not a biological one. And she uses birthing as a metaphor for all creative endeavors. Just as not everyone who uses sports metaphors is an athlete, and not everyone who uses war metaphors has been in battle, Core offers birthing metaphors to everyone, whether or not giving birth has been or will be part of their experience. I want to acknowledge that birthing metaphors may fall painfully on people who have experienced miscarriage or stillbirth or infertility. There are people who have given birth under traumatic circumstances who may not want to associate their creative work with that process. My own experience as a birthing person did not match the brochures. And while this metaphor may not be comfortable for everyone, I hope we can recognize in that discomfort that there's power in the metaphor. And I hope we can hear the wisdom and what Core draws from her own experience, even if it does not resonate with our own experience. Breathing is not only a practice of mindfulness, it is a, it's a humanist technology to bring us back to the present moment when we have agency. Breathing is not only a declaration of human worth, even in the face of dehumanizing oppression. Breathing is part of a rhythm that helps us to keep the work of transformation sustainable. We hold on and we let go. We surge forward and we recharge. We breathe and we push. Pushing in this case means being present to discomfort while putting forth focused effort and attention to bring about something new. One of the challenges with this is recognizing the difference between discomfort and danger. There are many reasons why we might easily confuse comfort and safety. Sometimes it's because we've seen too much harm or danger and our fight or flight response is attuned to react at the first sign of a problem. 
or we've seen so much harm that we minimize the danger we're actually in. Sometimes it's because we aren't accustomed to certain kinds of challenge. We don't have experience with feeling this unfamiliar feeling and yet having things turn out okay. Sometimes we've been told that a feeling of shame or embarrassment is a signal that all of our external support is about to be withdrawn. And it feels like a fight for our lives to prove our worthiness. We need each other. And we need a practice of mindfulness to help us with the discernment about when to push and when to pause for healing. I was on a swim team in about middle school through high school. My coach was all about helping each swimmer be their best. She helped us set goals based on our own improvement, not based on comparing ourselves to others. She insisted that we stretch before every practice. It was on the swim team that I started to understand the meaning of the phrase, a good kind of hurt. Muscles that are sore from building strength do not feel the same as muscles that are actually sprained or torn. That doesn't mean it's comfortable to be on the verge of a new level of strength or skill. And that doesn't mean it's a good idea to keep pushing too far past your limits. But you can have the good kind of hurt without anything being really wrong. I can't think of a way to learn the difference between the good kind of hurt and the damaging kind of hurt other than experience in the presence of someone who is caring and knowledgeable, someone who has accompanied other people through a process of transformation, someone who will help with setting realistic challenges and compassionate limits. In my case, that was a good coach. Core speaks about midwives for transformation, people who help bring new movements and new paradigms to birth. In any case, when learning to breathe and learning when to push is more safely and effectively done in companionship. We need people to hold us when we are hurting, whether that pain is from rising to a new challenge or from an injury that requires time to heal. Core speaks of a personal experience of truth and reconciliation when a family member with a family member who hurt her. This process of accountability and repair took years. For her, and especially for the person who hurt her, it took honesty and vulnerability and a willingness to stay with the process when it was uncomfortable. Speaking of this process with her family members, she writes that they pushed together to the other side and transitioned our family into a new place, broken and whole, wounded and healed, which is, I think, the best shape for a family to be in. Sometimes reconciliation happens in the course of healing, sometimes it does not. What matters is the insistence that our liberation is possible. Pushing together through healing, forgiveness, and reconciliation was the labor of revolutionary love. Echoing Brian Stevenson, she continues, in tending our wounds, we show mercy to ourselves and perhaps a corresponding need to show mercy to others. We are released from our attachment to punishment. We evolve our pursuit of justice from retribution, an eye for an eye, to collective liberation. Core is right to connect grieving and pushing. Moving through discomfort toward liberation is extremely difficult. Being able to breathe, to get grounded in the present moment, and find renewal 
in between periods of intense effort helps us to keep moving forward. Continuing the birthing metaphor, the next thing after breathe and push is transition. Core explains the final stage of birthing is the most dangerous stage and the most painful. As the cervix stretches to 10 centimeters, contractions are less than a minute apart and there is barely time to breathe. The medical term is transition. Transition feels like dying. But it is this stage that precedes the birth of new life. After my labor, she continues, I began to think about transition as a metaphor for the most difficult fiery moments in our lives. In all our various creative labors, making a living, raising a family, building a nation, there are moments that are so painful we want to give up. But inside searing pain and encroaching numbness, we might also find the depths of our courage. Hear our deepest wisdom and transition to the other side. To get through transition, Core says, we need the voices of wisdom. Some of those voices are the beloveds around us. Some of those voices are inner voices. Within us or around us, wise voices are the ones that tell us that we are strong enough and brave enough and capable enough to be part of this new thing that is happening. My mother used to have a quote from Eleanor Roosevelt in her email signature. You gain strength, courage, and confidence by every experience in which you really stop to look fear in the face. You are able to say to yourself, I have lived through this horror. I can take the next thing that comes along. You must do the thing you think you cannot do. It is this quote in my mother's voice that I hear in those transition moments. When doubt and pain and fear tell me that I can't, and perhaps alone, I can't. But with the voices of wisdom, we can. There are a lot of things we hope to see on the other side of transition. We hope to see liberation, a society that reflects our interdependence with each other and the planet, compassionate and dignified medical care for every person, abundance and generosity, reparations for those who have been wronged and repair for the earth, space and time and resources for beauty and joy for all people. In this moment, I'm also conscious of another transition, the slow and non-linear emergence into a post-COVID world. We must reimagine ourselves and our community in light of our experiences over the last 18 months. Retreat is so tempting. We may be tempted to retreat into privilege, to shrink from our interdependence. We may be tempted to retreat into an idealized version of the past, to crave the best out of what we remember instead of sallying forth into the best of what we can be in this new world. Ground your plans for the future on your collective vision and values, not on nostalgia. We may be tempted to retreat into perfectionism, to give up on what is hard or messy or imperfect, to blame and complain and attempt to exert control when comfort is slow and the emerging reality is unfamiliar. Beloveds, 
let us breathe together and concentrate our energies on what is possible. A new thing is happening. We won't know what it looks like until we have lived in it for a while. We can help shape it to be something beautiful and equitable and exciting. Studies of the 1918 pandemic show a kind of three-year arc for how that experience changed the world. There are some ways that the COVID-19 pandemic has shown similar social patterns in terms of how people react to public health information and what kinds of changes people are willing to make in how they live. If the pattern is similar for us, we are closer to the middle of this era than to the end. It's like a three-act play, we're getting near the end of act two. Emerging and recovering and reimagining the future and coming to terms with what happened will take time. We need to be patient, imaginative, and caring as we help each other through this. This part right now, this middle part, where we are experimenting and failing sometimes and trying to draw up energy to emerge after a long and difficult period, this is hard. Not everyone who was part of West before the pandemic will want to be part of this new thing. People's lives and priorities have changed. I am a whole different gender than I was at the start of this pandemic. People's lives and priorities have changed. Some people may come back once the new normal is in full swing. Others will follow their journey onward and new people will be attracted to a 21st century humanist community that is committed to accessibility as well as to dismantling racism and other forms of oppression. The people who are showing up, the people who have been holding West together, the people who are signing up for the tech team and the greeters and the Thai groups, the people who are engaging with platform and book groups and affinity groups, y'all are doing amazing. I'm so impressed with all that you're doing to prepare your community for the future. There are talented and committed people here among us, people who are ready to be part of Wes's transformation into the emerging future. You have everything you need to transition into the new version of Wes as a bold, loving, justice-seeking 21st century humanist community. The things that are worth doing are worth doing together, sustainably, through times of healing and times of discomfort and times of intense transition. Let's breathe and reconnect with human worth in the present moment. Let's push and hang in there through the aches of positive transformation. Let's follow the voices of wisdom through transition and bring into the world something new. May it be so. Thanks, friends. You can put it to the comments from this recording, whatever came up for you. Make it your own community sharing moment. Whether online or in person, I look forward to seeing you soon.